Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Good morning. Good morning. It's so awesome to be here this morning and so thankful for each and every one of you guys. Um, let's pray. Father, thank you for being with us as you are always with us. Thank you for just loving us and and being so kind to us and gracious to us and just showing us who we really are and what you really want to do in our lives. And Father, do a good work in us and through us so that we can we can just live, Father. Breathe life into your people this morning and and into all of us, and we thank you for that. In the mighty name of Yeshua, amen. Okay, so good to see each and every one of you guys' smiling faces. Uh, not every face you see is always smiling, right? Especially not every face you get to see nowadays, because like everybody's covered up. So now you got to realize people really smile with their eyes. Have you noticed that? Like, you walk by people, and I've learned to smile with my eyes. So, like, I have a, you know, and, and people are like, got something in your eye? What's the matter with you? Or, or you're, you know, are you weird or something going on with you? Or what's, what's really happening? But uh, the truth is, we need to see some smiles. Now more than we ever have in our life. And when we're smiling, it, it actually, the, um, their science actually says when you smile, it actually lifts up your countenance, right? So... Everybody smile, even if you got the, the the mask on. Smile, and so we'll so we can see see that and lift us up. I was praying, you know, on where to go this morning. I've been kind of thank you guys for being so patient with me the last couple of weeks. I've been literally all over the place. So we went to Texas to the Texas Baptist Convention. It was kind of a last minute thing, but. It was ordained by God, and we knew that we were supposed to be there, and God was with us, and, and God did some really great things that we're really excited about what he done, but I couldn't have done that without your guys' support, and you guys are always there for me, and I just want you to know how much I love you and appreciate you guys for that, and so thank you very much. It was a much-needed, um, much-needed with all the stuff we've kind of been going through, and and to be quite transparent and quite honest, since my dad's passed away, there's times I really miss him, you know. And so sometimes I just need a break to refresh myself. And it, I thought I was doing business, but it turned out that I was doing business for God, and that he was doing business for me too, and he was encouraging me. And and so I'm so thankful for that. And then, then last Sunday we had the uh, leadership retreat for C4, so we we were doing that too. So it's kind of kind of um, all crammed in together. Um, I got I was getting ready to go to Texas, and and um, I had the plane ticket booked, and then I started hearing reports that it was going to flood. Well, where I kept my horses was where they were saying that it might flood. And so I was like, okay, God, I need to bring some panels and get everything set up. And so I had a contingency plan for my horses because, like, I had this herd of horses. There's 22 horses out there and, um, in this pasture. And so 
I was really worried about it flooding and everybody else was too. And so I was like, okay, I need to get some panels. So I was going to get these panels by myself and I'm like, God, it'd be really great if he could send some help or if he could help me, you know, send angels or send someone. And this young man from Darrington calls, his name is Jacob. He goes, hey, Pastor James, I'm just up the road. He was like, you were on my heart. I was just wondering if you need anything. And I said, well, actually meet me at my barn and I'm going to go get some panels and run them up. Do you want to help me with panels? He's sure, I'll help you with panels. And so we loaded the panels up and took them up there. And then I walked the pastor and made sure that it wasn't flooding yet. And this was on a Friday. And the next morning I flew out. And um, anyway, I was just walking the pastor. I was fixing the fence up. And I was just, thank you, Father, that you're with me. And God told me, he's like, I've got your back. Ever know? Like when God says, I got your back, I really thought that that meant it wasn't going to flood. Right? Sometimes the thing that, that you're worried about, not going to happen. Sometimes we worry about that, right? We're like, oh, well, God says, I got your back. That means it's not going to flood. But he's like, you need to go. This trip is for you. You need to go. Trust me. And, and so we put a plan into place, and we, we left. And then sure enough, um, Sunday morning, that Sunday morning, it was I had some divine appointments, and it was great, but I got a text, hey, the river's supposed to crest, and the water's starting to rise, and so to make a long story short, we ended up having to, I called a friend, and I was like, hey, he's another horse trainer. I was like, we're going to have to move him, and so he got there, and they got my horses all moved, and God took care of everything, but it was not how I planned, and it taught me something really valuable is in our hearts, we make our plans, but God directs our steps. Sometimes we're afraid to step out or sometimes we're afraid to follow God because we're afraid of the something bad happening. But when that something bad happening, God's turned more good out of that than I've seen in a long time. He's connected me to more people in the horse industry and shown me how good of a heart the horse industry has through that than I've than I ever even imagined. I, I like the cowboy world, right? So so um my friend Kyle, he's awesome. He's one of the best trainers in the Northwest. He's and um just fabulous. He went and <clears throat> he was at my first call and I was like, Hey, I'm in Texas. This is going on. He's like, I got your back, brother. And that was all it took. And there's so much you can learn from the cowboy world. Competing in the challenge tour, one of the things I learned is these top guys that you see compete and you think, well, they're all out. It's like, like dog eat dog. We're going to eat you up and we're gonna, not going to be with each other and help each other. But we'd be helping each other. And I learned more from those guys. And they probably learned a teeny bit from me too. But we always had each other's back. And it's kind of the cowboy code. And it's something that I think as believers, a lot of times we don't have, which is really sad. That, that the world in some of its places and some of its ways has a better grasp on, on how to be a brother than, than some religious circles. And it's pretty sad and it's pretty scary at the same time, but that's not who we are. That's not who, who what we're about. And I'm really thankful. I'm thankful that I get to serve at this church with um, Jim and Will and all you guys. And and um, you guys are making a difference. We've been doing the food program. And um, Jim and Chuck will not tell you this because I don't even know if they know it. But they're the ones that's pretty much been doing it. 
single-handedly and and then Georgia's been helping too but I'm so impressed with them and so thankful but you know that they've been giving away more food combined than all the other places together they're making a difference they're they're serving God and they would they're probably going to kill me afterwards for even saying something about it but I want to acknowledge them and say hey thank you for your service and thank you for your sacrifice and thank you for giving to God because it's a big deal that's affecting the community and so thank you guys they're the ones that did it and um, through God but thank you guys and so that's a big deal but I was praying tonight's Hanukkah and when I think of Hanukkah I think of several things right Um, number one I think of pigs (laughs) okay Okay, you're like Pastor James like how do you think of pigs on Hanukkah right well, see, there's these dudes are called the Hasmoneans or the Greeks, and they'd come in and, and they ransacked the temple, and, and they were trying to impose their way of thinking and their thoughts and, and wipe out the belief that the Jewish people had. And so they're like, the only way that we're going to wipe out their beliefs is getting to the heart of what they really believe. It's kind of funny. That's how the enemy works in our lives a lot of times too. He's like, if I can just attack them at where they believe, if I can just attack them at the heart of what they believe, then I can wipe them out. Anybody ever feel like that? Anybody feel like you're under attack and like, like it's not going well and, and that everything that's coming against you is there to knock you out of what you really believe? God, do you really exist? God, are you really for me? Am I the only one who's ever said that? I am? No? Okay, good. So, no. Like, I'm pretty sure most of us have felt that way at some point or time in our lives. And so we all go through those seasons, and as the enemy's hitting us, and as those things, and some of our stupid decisions and thought patterns bring that to our, on ourselves, too. As some of those things are coming in, into our heart, we got to realize that we have a God who promises. He says, in some things I will work for the good of those who love me and are called right in some things in a few things in a couple things in the good things no in all things you know what that means that everything that happens to you is going to turn out for your good somehow you're like well pastor i don't understand that i lost my job and i don't know how we're going to eat and god's like hey i'm just getting you an upgrade I'm just going to do something even better and blow your mind. You didn't need that anymore. Maybe someone hurt your feelings was really bad to you, and you're like, I'm broken hearted. But God's like, you know what? I'm going to show you that you can still love someone in the midst of that, and you're going to get the opportunity to grow through that, right? And God's always working and trying to do something spectacular in our lives if we will just give him the opportunity to work. We get to make that choice. And so as the, the Greeks were coming in and they were trying to affect their belief system, what you believe matter, right? The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what, what we think really is not in just in our brain, right? It's in our mind and it's in our heart. And that's what we're acting out of. So you can really tell what someone believes by what they're doing. And so God's trying to do something. We can see what God believes about you and me by what he done on the cross when he sent his son, his only son, whom 
He loved to die for you. If you have any questions about God's motives or God's heart for you, you can look at Jesus and see, that's how much he loves me. That's how valuable I am. That's how important I am. He sent his son, his only son, the son whom he loves to die for me so that I can live. I think sometimes, and I get so frustrated with church sometimes because I think we get so religious that we're just trying to check off boxes and we're checking off boxes. Well, we got saved. Well, we got baptized. And then we're walking around living in graves because we don't realize how great the resurrection and the sacrifice of Jesus really is. We don't understand that He wants to work in our heart and change our thinking and change what we're doing. And that's what he came for. That's what he died for. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. So here they're, they're going around. Like I ain't got time for boxes no more. You know, every time I see them putting people in a box, they're burying them. Let's think out of the box. Let's trust God for what he wants to do. So here, here the, the Jewish people were getting hammered. And they come in and they, they, they de- started at the heart of what they believed by desecrating the people. And this is where the pigs come in. Right? I call it whole hog. Right? Whole hog, the Hanukkah story, right? Because you know what they did? They, the, the, if you could think of anything that would be worse to happen to them, it would be that they would sacrifice a pig on the altar. A hog. Why? Because it's not kosher. Right? It's not holy. It's not... They, they didn't just do away with what they were doing. They desecrated the temple and then they went to the point of insulting them beyond what they could take. Anybody ever get that sometimes in your life? They're like, oh man, the enemy hits you at the heart and it's just like something that's so bad that's so unbearable and you, no one else might ever see it or, or hear it or feel it. But you do. So here, they're, they're taking, you know, speaking of pigs, you, you know, when you have breakfast, my grandpa used to say, he's like, you know the difference between the, the pig and the chicken? And I was like, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of difference. One's got like ears and oinks, and one's like lays eggs. And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, like, the chicken contributed to breakfast. It laid the eggs. It was just a contribution. But that pig, he gave his whole life. So if you eat pork, that's, you know, right? It doesn't matter with what it is, pork, beef, whatever. It gave its whole life. You know what that means? It was committed. Sometimes we have to be fully committed and say, God, I want you to do something great in, in my life. And, and um, that's exactly what was happening with, with, uh, um, with the Jewish people at, at this time. You know, I was just thinking um, of this great. You're like, well, you ever feel like things are so impossible that you don't know how you're going to get through it? But God points to you and says, I want you to go through this. I want you to go here. I put this vision in your heart and it looks impossible like you can't get there. Well, that's what it was looking like to the Jewish people because like this was, these dudes had elephants, man. 
They had elephants. It's like them having armored tanks, and these guys had shovels and hoes. Right? It looked like it was impossible. But God put something in their heart that said, you know something? It's for freedom that I set you free. This temple doesn't belong to them, but it belongs to you, and it belongs to me, and we're going to come in, and we're going to get it, and we're going to take it. And it looked impossible, but in their heart, they could see it free. These guys were called the Maccabees. A Maccabee actually means a hammer, right? And the story's not in the Torah, but, but um, if you'll read even in, in the New Testament, Jesus it talks about Jesus at the Feast of Dedication. Well, what's the Feast of Dedication? It's Hanukkah. Jesus celebrated Hanukkah. Why? Because there's some really good things we can learn in it. But as they, they were finding in their heart, you know something? There's some great things God wants to do in my life, and there's some great things that I know he wants to do, and I'm not meant to be a slave. God didn't enslave me, uh, didn't save me to, to enslave me. And they said, and I refuse to allow that temple to be desecrated anymore. No more pigs. Can you say that? No more pigs. No more pigs in our life, right? That's why we don't like the Washington football team, a.k.a. also known as the Redskins, right? <laughs> Because they used to have the hog nose at the football. Some of you guys might remember that. I'm aging myself, right? No more pigs. Anyway, so here in their heart, they're like, it looks impossible. It looks like there's no way we're going to do it. But something happened in their heart. There's this Olympic gold medalist. He was a high jumper. And a reporter came up to him and he said, how do you jump over that, that bar? How do you jump so high? And he said, you know what I do? And he's like, what? And he's, everyone's all ears. And he said, I just throw my heart over the bar and my behind follows. <laughs> and that's exactly what these guys were doing. They were like, you know something? I'm going to commit to following God. I'm going to commit to doing something great. And I'm going to follow my heart. And if I die, I die. But I'm not going to live like this. And you know what happened? Nothing. No, something great happened. This little army with, with hoes and shovels and picks defeated the greatest army in the world. Isn't that incredible? And then they went. It's called the Feast of Dedication. So they went and they dedicated the temple back to God. And so... They had to go in and they had to scrub the, scrub the altar off because of, it was desecrated. And then they had to go and find the, the lampstand. And they had to go and find the, you know, the place of showbread and set the temple back up. And as they were going through it, there was in the menorah, there was a light that was supposed to, to burn. But that there was only one thing of oil, I'm going to call it. One cruise, is it a cruise? Like not, I think a cruise, I think they like going to Alaska. <laughs> right? Nobody wants to go on a cruise anymore anyway, right? But, um, but they only had one, one cruise, one vat of oil, which was just enough to burn for one day. Well, what was so important for them to have the oil is because as the flame burned, they, it represented that God was always burning in their lives. That God was always with them. And so... It, according to Jewish law, it, or to Torah, it took eight days 
to prepare the oil before it could be used. So they had to consecrate the oil. So they're like, you know some, we only have enough for one day, so why would we even waste our time? You know, we only have this much resources, so why would we even step out? We, you know, I can only go one more day because, you know, I can't stand, you know, no, this person's just on my nerves. And maybe that person's your spouse. Maybe it's your kids. God's saying, you know something, I'm getting ready to shine bright in your life. I'm getting ready to do something great in your life if you will just trust me. And so here they, they went ahead and took what they had. Remember the kid, like he was going to, to a meeting with Jesus, and there's like 5,000 other people, and he's the only one smart enough to bring his lunch. You know what they did? They went and said, hey, dude, like we're hungry, McDonald's is closed, Chick-fil-A, it's Sunday, they're not open. Now, I got a bone to pick with them. I mean, I'm glad they celebrate the Sabbath, but maybe celebrate it on Saturday, and then we can, on the real Sabbath, then after church we can eat on Sunday, right? That's beside the point, right? So here, here's this young man with, with fish and loaves, and he's the only one that brought it. And Jesus said what? He said, bring it to me. And he brought it to him. Do you know what he did? He committed what he had to Jesus. He said, you know what, Jesus? I'm going to give you everything that I have. And he did. And what did Jesus do? He ate it, man, and told everyone else to. No. He multiplied it. And you know what? That kid ended up with 12, 12 baskets full, man. He went home with a bounty. He went with the little and come with a lot because he was willing to commit the little that he had to God. Like, oh, here it comes. This preacher's about money. He's talking about money. No, I'm not talking anything about money. It has nothing to do with money. This is the most giving church I've ever been around. This is the most committed church I've ever been around. But there are certain things in our life that we have to learn to commit. Now, what is commitment? Commitment's pretty cool because it's this. It's giving. It's whatever I give myself self up to gives itself to me according to its nature. Now, listen to this. This is a definition of commitment. Whatever I give myself up to gives itself to me according to to its nature. Now listen to this one more time because I'm messing with your brains. But it's going to stretch you, but if we can get this, it will change our lives. Listen again. Whatever I give myself up to gives itself to me according to its nature. Okay. Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor James? Really simple. The, man, the young man with, with the fish and loaves, he gave up of himself. He said, I'm going to commit everything I have to you, Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He gave back, not according to his bounty, but according to Jesus' riches and glory. Do you hear what I'm talking about? Some of us commit and we give ourselves up to fear. Or we give ourselves up to pride. Or we give ourselves up to hopelessness. And, and as we give ourselves up, what we're doing is we're saying, okay, I put my confidence in that. 
And sometimes, like, do you ever be around someone? Like, they're like, it's like being on an episode of Hee Haw. <laughs> right? And they are committed that the world is, is horrible and that people are horrible and their dog don't even like you. But they have that commitment. And that commitment that they have, they're giving themselves up to that. And as they give themselves up to that, that nature is what grows. And they start believing that, and they start walking in that, and they start moving in that. Like, I've been there, man. That was me at one time. Like, I was lost and hopeless and didn't like people and didn't like, didn't like God and didn't want nothing. I did not believe in Him. I was just mad at Him. Maybe you're there. I don't know. Maybe you're out there and you're there. I'm telling you, He's not mad at you. He loves you right where you're at. But when we're, we're giving ourselves up to something, maybe it's fear. Maybe we're looking around and seeing the giants coming, going, fee fi fo fum I smell the blood of an American. Or whatever. And we start trembling because we got our eyes off of Jesus. And we've committed, basically what we're doing is we've committed to that fear When we're saying, you know something, I believe in that fear more than I believe in God's ability to do something great in my life. I believe in that feeling of what I see, hear, smell, taste, and touch above what I believe that God's word says. Because if his word says it, you can take it to the bank because it's truth. What are you committed to? What are you trusting in your life? What are you waiting on? What has God put on your heart and says, I want you to go over that bar? And you're like, well, I'm not sure I can get my behind to go over it. He's like, just put your heart over it and trust me and watch what follows. Sometimes we have to step out in faith and just trust that God's there. The Bible says, commit your ways to the Lord. And all your plans will succeed. Why? Because you know what? You're giving in and giving up yourself to something that's greater than Him. That's what we do when we say, do you want to receive Jesus as your Savior? Then we're saying He died on the cross for us and, and, he, he, and he did this and then He rose again and then come walk down the aisle and give your heart to Jesus and then we go and sat down and three days later we forget what we did. Because we forget who we are. And he's like, I just want you to know how much I love you and what greatness I want to do in your life. I want you to commit everything to me. And then it's, the Bible talks about it's his divine nature that flows through us, right? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. A lot of times we say, I, do you guys believe prayer works? I do too. Do you know where prayer works first? In me. First, for prayer to work, it's going to work in me. You're like, oh, I don't know. I don't understand that. Because we're all so focused on everything out here that we forget that it's in Him we live and move and have our being. It's in Him that He does a great work in our life and in our heart. So where prayer really works is I'm praying for other people, and you know what God does is He changes my heart towards those people. And then, you know what's really weird? Is something changes in that, too. 
Why? Because he did something in my heart. I'm praying for, for finances, and God changes my heart about the finances. And you know what happens pretty soon? Something breaks loose, and, and it works out for me. Why? Because he's alive in me. It can't work. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside you. We're waiting for something out here to save us. And we have Jesus himself living inside of us. We have the Holy Spirit himself living inside of us. And he's wanting to live in and through us. Like the Bible says, we're the body of Christ. You know what that means? Jesus ain't dead. Like, I believe the rapture is going to happen someday, but my focus is not on the rapture. My focus is on being alive and being part of the body of Christ right now, right here, reaching people for Jesus. And I, I, I just don't want to see people saved. I want to see people living to their full potential in what Jesus did on the cross and in his resurrection to set us free as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Because it doesn't matter how, how saved we are. You can be as saved as you can be. I mean, it does matter in the long run. But you can be as saved as you can be and be going through hell on earth because we don't know who we are. This young man, his name was Mephibosheth. Anybody ever hear of him? He was Jonathan's son in the Bible. And as Jonathan's son, when, when David took over, they ran for their lives and he tripped and he got become crippled. And so he was living in a place that's called Lodibar. It wasn't the high jumper high bar, it was a loady bar because he was so crippled he could barely get over it, right? But he's living in this desolate place with no hope, didn't know who he was. And then one day the king says, hey, is there anyone from Jonathan's family out there? Because I'm going to bless them. See, David had a heart for God. And he had a heart, heart to bless God's people. And, and so they said, well, there's one dude. Are you going to go kill him? Are you going to go wipe him out? He lived in fear his entire life, but he was royalty. He lived in a desolate place all his life, but he didn't know who he was. He lived crippled all his life, eating meager, meager meals and trying to scrap by because he didn't know who he was. Till one day the king comes. He said, go get him, and you put him at my table. You know what? In Hebrew, the word table means shulchan. It means place of grace. And he brought him at his table, and he said, I want you to give him the best of everything. So he went to eating, like, scraps from McDonald's. Like, he might have a little fry here and a part of a chicken nugget, if he was, if he was fortunate enough for that to eating at this. Man, they brought out everything. The king's banquet. And he realized at that point, you know something? I'm royalty. I'm someone. That's what God's wanting to do in our lives. He's saying, you are valuable. You are not common. I want to do a great work in your life. If you'll just trust me. There's another lady she had an issue of blood, and anybody remember her? You're, you're like, well, what was her issue with blood? I have issues with blood, too. If I see it, I'll pass out. <laughs> it was actually a health problem. And the Bible says that she spent everything she had trying to get better. Everything. Never do everything you can do, and then you're still not working out? Till one day. You know what I love about this lady is she was committed to getting better. 
You're like, well, what does the issue of blood have to do with it? And you know, it just wasn't a health problem. It kept her unclean, and so it kept her separated from her husband and from her family and from other people and isolated her. For 12 long years. Till she'd given everything she had. You know what? She was committed to getting better. She was committed to coming out of that situation. And one day Jesus came along. And she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garden garment, I might be healed. No. It could happen. No, she says, I shall be healed. And you know what happened? It's the only one in the Bible that Jesus had this response with. He didn't even, she didn't even touch him. She just touched his garment. And Jesus said, who touched me? Why? Because she gave herself up to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. She gave up everything. She's like, I got nothing left to give. But I know if I give myself up to you that I'm going to get all that you are because when we give up who we are, He gives back who He is. And it's so much greater than who we are. It gives us so much more hope than who we are. Do we want to live in who we are or do we want to live in who He made us to be? Or not even who we are, who we think we are. Are you going to be committed to say, Father, I trust what you say about me. I trust what you say about this word. I trust what you say about the situation. Anybody in here have situations that you're like, you know what? I just need God to do something. Is it just me? Is it just me? No. I'm the only one that needs prayer. Is it, is it just me? No. No, it's not, right? So what, what is God saying? Commit that to me. What does that mean? Give that to me. Trust me with it, and I'm going to do something great in your life. And that's pretty cool, right? When we give that, that's the guarantee of receiving something back, right? And so, so receiving... When we give him that, we know we're going to receive his divine nature back, his provision back, his hope back, his peace back in our, in our heart. And, and that's really good. The woman with the issue of the blood, she got healed. But she was committed and she gave everything to God. There's another lady in the Bible. Her name was Hannah. Anybody remember Hannah? Like, it looked impossible. She wasn't supposed to have a kid. And, and the other wife that was married to, to her husband, she was putting kids out like rabbits, man. Like, you turn around and she'd have three kids. I mean, it was really bad. And all she wanted was a kid. You ever see other people getting blessed? And you're like, oh, I just want to be blessed. And you're, you're like, that'll never happen to me. But Hannah didn't do that. You know, the Bible says she went to the temple. And she was so distraught as she was praying that... that the words couldn't even come out of her mouth. It was just like she was just lipping it, right? It's just like no words. You ever been that hurt and that broken? Or like you didn't have the words. You're trying to get it out and trying to let someone to know. So much so that Eli thought she was drunk. It's like, what are you doing drunk in here? She's like, I'm not drunk. But I want this from the Lord. And do you know what Eli said? Get out of here. God ain't giving you nothing. No. God gave her a son. He didn't just give her a son, but he gave her a son that, that anointed a king. Anointed more than one king, but he anointed David, whom Jesus come through his line. 
What's in your heart? What's, what's driving you? What's deep inside where everyone says that's unrealistic and that's un- impossible and that'll never happen? What's in your heart? What's God talking to you? What's God saying to you? Give it to Him. Father, I give you this. I give you my life. We, we come and we get saved. Lord, I give you my life. Or forgive me of my sins. And we go out. We forget that it's an everyday, every moment relationship, not just a religious act. In Him we live and move and have our being. And in Him we get to grow and, and get to see Him work and do great things. That's pretty cool, isn't it? You're like, well, what do I do? And I'm going to tell you what you do. We, we rejoice. We give it to Him, and then we rejoice. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Rejoice in the Lord when things are going right. Rejoice in the Lord on Sundays when you're at church. What? Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. When? Always. When is always? always? Always, right? That means when your dog bit you and your cat scratched you and your wife threw her shoe at you. <laughs> or your husbands don't throw shoes. Maybe they're watching the game and not paying attention or whatever's happening in your life. What does the Bible say to do? To do what? Rejoice, right? Rejoice. Why? He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And then he says, if you don't get it, I will say it again. Rejoice. Why? Because in all things, God works for our good. Why would we rejoice? Because God's working even the bad things for our good. Look at Hannah. It was a bad thing she was going for, but she could rejoice because look what God did in her life. Look at the woman with an issue of blood. It was a horrible thing that was happening to her, but she got to meet Jesus. She ran head on into the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the healer himself, healing himself. And she became not just healed, but whole. See in First Kings when Elijah's going to bat and he, he for God and he's facing all these prophets of Baal and he's looking at the children of Israel and they've committed their lives to God but they've also not completely because they're wavering between Baal are they going to worship Baal or are they going to worship God and so Elijah stands up and he's like like, like how long will you halt between two opinions? In some translations, it actually says, how long will you be hobbled between two opinions? The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in some of his ways. In all his ways. How long will you halt? How long will you be stuck between two opinions? If God's God, serve Him. If He's not, shuck Him. Don't waste anybody's time. But I'm telling you something. The King of the universe, the Lord of Lords, and His name is Yeshua, died for you. Not just so you can walk down an aisle once and say, hey, I give my heart to you, but so that you could live in and through Him every day of our lives. 
I love people coming to Jesus and walking the aisle. Thank you, God, for that. But He didn't come here for a one-time experience. He is our life. And when we grasp that, nothing's impossible. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is far away. Lord's what? Near. Near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know what he's saying? Commit that to me. And watch what I'm going to do in your life. Commit it. The good, the bad, everything. Say, Father, I give you everything. I thank you that, that you're with me. And I thank you that I exchange my fear for your faith. I exchange that, that lack, that, that thing that I don't seem to have for your provision. That sickness for your health. I just thank you for that. And I thank you for always loving me and always being faithful to me. And always being true. And Father, I thank you that it's not a one-time experience, but that it's a life-transforming walk that we get to step out with you every day of our lives, every moment of our lives, and see you move and just be with us. For your peace that passes all understanding and transform us. I thank you that we are not conformed to this world and its ways, but we are transformed by the renewing of our mind and seeing you for who you really are and seeing us as we really are in you, which is sons and daughters of the Most High God. In Yeshua's name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.